0: our hands, lift up our voices, and begin to give God our best praise tonight as we sing, as we worship, for He is so worthy and He is good tonight.
1: been in here before you. We want nothing else than just to be with you.
0: alive in me. Amen. I hope you want the same tonight. God is so good. God is so good. If you remain standing just for a moment, we are privileged, and I mean that, privileged tonight to have Brother and Sister Lucas with us, missionaries to Japan, and and it's a privilege and honor. They have been here years ago, and uh, we were trying to figure out around the time they were here, but years and years ago they were here, and and they have uh, served faithfully for long time, and, and just getting to know them, but just when you talk to them, and I hope that you uh, do speak with them. They have a booth back in the back, so make sure you don't rush out, but go back there and spend some time with them, but just when you get to talk with them, you can sense just how genuine they are as as people that are serving God and, and doing His work, and and so we're just honored that you're here tonight, and, and we welcome you, Brother Lucas, and and uh, would you welcome the Lucas's tonight in the wonderful name of Jesus.
2: the Lord. You may be seated. I want to say what a thrill and a very, very special privilege it is for us to be in this church tonight. Amen. I I think you're aware of the great history. You know, I was talking with Pastor uh, Griffin uh, uh, Griffith about uh, the history of this church. I remember when my wife and I Of course, she was born in Pinckneyville, not very far away. And then later at age 10, moved up to Wilmington, went to Bible school from there. Her parents moved back to Pinckneyville and uh, her sister still lives there. But uh, when we were first married um, in 1977, we arrived in Illinois, our first two years out of Bible school. I'd been in ministry several years before I went to Bible school. But then after Bible school, we came and assisted a pastor who came from Haran. And this, this city, the saints and the godly ministry of this city has, uh, has had an impact on the, the entire world. In the Bible, there's a city called Antioch. It was not the largest city in the area at that time. But that city had an impact that reached far beyond almost any other city at that time. And I will say, from when I first came into the district in 1977, we began to hear about Heron, Illinois. Before then, I was not so aware. But then I began to find out one minister after another. And through the years, many of the greatest preachers in Pentecost, Have come from this town this city that's a fact amen amen our global missions director came from heron our general secretary came from heron the pastor i worked under came from heron amen Uh, a missionary lee sherry that was from uh that was a missionary in perth australia and then later in uh, in the south pacific came from heron and this city has produced some of the greatest christians some of the most godly ministers some of the best preachers and i know it's not just the ministers you've had great leadership in this city but you've also had praying saints people of character that walked it and lived it day after day i think i think you ought to give yourself and and the Lord, and the work he's done in this city, I think you ought to give yourself a big hand. Amen. I want my wife to come and share whatever she has on her heart.
3: Praise the Lord. We now, are... This
2: girl is 100% Illinoisan. <laughs> yes.
3: Um, he kind of stole some of my thunder, saying that I was from Pinckneyville. I was born in... Um, Well, this goes way back because Pinckneyville now has another new hospital, but the old hospital that was torn down uh, was new when I was born, and I have a twin sister. My twin and I were the first twins to be born in that hospital. We made the newspaper. (laughs) Um, We are so thankful to be with you tonight. We are privileged, and we thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to be here. Uh, We want to give a shout-out to all of the youth who worked so hard for that record-breaking MTM offering. God bless you! And I know it was a lot of the older saints also supporting you and your endeavors for that offering. Um, I remember way back to, um, um, in the beginning, it it was called She's for Christ back then. Move the mission now. And one of the big fundraisers back in the beginning was a 20 mile march. They called it a March for Missions. You remember that, (laughs) Sister Griffith? And um, so I walked that 20 miles. That was terrible, (laughs) it was hard. I got sunburned and got blisters, but I raised money for the missionaries, not even realizing that one day I would be a recipient of those kinds of funds. We um, now have a Nissan Savannah van that we're driving that um, Move the Mission has purchased for us. It's our fourth MTM vehicle in our 39 years of being in Japan. And Mother's Memorial also just finished in the spring, and I honor all of you for working hard for Mother's Memorial also. We are recipients of wonderful um, appliances. Um, I think I'm on my second refrigerator in 39 years, and on my third washer and dryer Uh, And thank you so much for your sacrifices for us. Uh, We appreciate it. Also, the um, um, support that Mother's Memorial gives for uh, foreign students is so vital. And we appreciate your hard work for that. Um, We... um, are as we have said have been in Japan for 39 years we have been in missions for 42 years Um, arrived in Japan in 1984 Uh, found out four days before we left to go the field to the field that we were going to have our first baby and that was a little hard leaving mom and home but God is faithful he is good and I have learned to pray a prayer that He always answers. I have prayed, Lord, go before us and prepare the way, and He did exactly that. And He has done it time and time again in our um, our lives. Uh, we moved into an apartment. Um, it was a new apartment, uh, nice. We loved it and. We're thankful. But when we moved in there, we didn't know that directly across the street was a midwife's clinic. And uh, a neighbor that was also expecting, she was a Japanese lady married to an American military man, she said, there's a midwife right across the street from us. Did you know that? And I said, no, because I couldn't read anything then. And um, so she took me over and introduced me and all three of our sons were born at that midwife's clinic. So when you or have a new endeavor in your life. I want to encourage you lord Prepare the way before me and don't just make decisions what you want to do Acknowledge the Lord the scripture says acknowledge the Lord that means Lord, I know you're here. You are in this situation. And I want your will to be done, Lord, not my will, your will to be done, your kingdom to come, your name to be hallowed. That's how we should pray every prayer, right? Those three things, the Lord's will be done, his kingdom come, and his name to be hallowed. And he is faithful. We've seen many wonderful things happen in Japan many people come to know the Lord, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues, living a life of holiness and surrendered to the Lord. We've also had challenges. We've had disappointments, just like every pastor, every family, every saint has in their lives. We, it's, it's an up and down, isn't it? Highs and lows. But the Lord is in all of it, and we learn, and we grow, and we give him glory, and we give him thanks. His goodness is amazing. I, um, I'm so thankful for your backup. <laughs> it just feels so good in here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to talk just a little bit longer if that's okay. But you can keep playing. That's wonderful. I'll hurry, Brother Lucas. Um, So um, I want him to be able to um, minister the word of the Lord. Um, I know he has a word for this church. Um, When Brother Lucas was only five years old, now there's some young people sitting here and uh, you may be thinking, (laughs) isn't he cute? I'm going to talk about that in just a second. There are young people sitting here maybe wondering what the Lord is wanting you to do with your life. And you should be asking him, Lord, what do you want me to do? And as all of the older of us should be wondering, Lord, what do you want me to do for you today? What do you want me to do for you tomorrow? Who can I talk to for you? Who can I influence for you? Um, But the young people have their life ahead of them. And you may be considering, I know I met a couple of young ladies that are interested in missions And um, you may be wondering, Lord, is that the life you want for me? Brother Lucas was a little boy sitting on little tables and chairs in a Sunday school class. And the teacher said, Sunday school teachers, you are important. That's not what she said, but I'm telling you, (laughs) you're important. You influence the children. You're not there just to take up time and make sure they don't interrupt the, the adult service. You are important. This Sunday school teacher said, the Lord has a purpose for your life. Maybe he will call one of you to be a pastor or an evangelist, a pastor's wife, a teacher. Maybe one of you will be a missionary and go to another land and and teach others about Jesus that don't know him. At that young age, he said, oh, I think the Lord's calling me. When he was 12... He uh, was in a church service where uh, Japanese missionaries sang the song, um, How Great Thou Art, in Japanese, and it touched his heart. He really felt the call of God in his heart and thought he would go to Japan. As a teenager, he got away from the Lord and uh, ran away from home and joined the Marines, was tired of people telling him what to do, so he just wasn't going to put up with that anymore. He went and joined the Marines. As if the Marines don't tell you what to do, right? And, but the Lord got a hold of his heart again. When he was in the Marine, he came back to the Lord. And the Marines sent him to Japan instead of Vietnam. It was during the Vietnam War. And he had a, an assignment to Japan. And the Lord renewed the call to Japan as a young Marine. And then um, we'll kind of switch gears and talk about me a little bit. Well, you know, I was raised in church, so thankful for that. My mom and dad were not in the ministry, uh, but we went to church all the time. Brother Frazee was my pastor in Pinckneyville. He baptized me. But as a teenager, I was praying one day, and I said, Lord, I don't want to marry a minister and especially not a missionary. Why did I pray that way? Thinking I had nothing to offer, thinking I couldn't do it, thinking what would the Lord see in me? A little girl from Pinckneyville, a country girl, nobody special, parents not in the ministry. But God doesn't look at all those things. You know what he looks at? He looks at a heart that is willing. So I became willing. I hadn't been willing at the point when I prayed that. But if you want to please the Lord, you need to hear what he's saying to you and say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. And then be obedient to what he's saying to you. Now, he might might ask you to go to the mission field, but he might not ask you to go. He might ask you to stay right here. And when souls teach Bible studies, be a Sunday school teacher, clean the bathrooms, I don't know. But it's all important, and it's a willing heart and an obedient heart that gets the job done and that pleases God. So make yourself available to the Lord, and he will use you. He will use you if you make yourself available. Praise the Lord. So, all throughout our life in Japan, all of the seasons that we went through sickness, I was um, diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and had it for a year and a half, very painful time in my life, but God delivered me. I'm so thankful for that. He's so good to me. Through children being born and going to school and leaving home and getting married and grandbabies being born, all of these things, the church going great, the church being in a struggle, all of the things that we go through, God has been good. Has he been good to you? He has, I know. He's faithful. I'm going to sing the chorus, The Goodness of God, in Japanese. Can you sing it in English with me as I sing? tashinau jinsei yoki mono de mitasu ne sasae ma morade ta utaru shi wa sing it again wantashi no jinsei Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. thing, the Lord has blessed us, and we have been able to raise all of our PIMs that we need. Uh, thank the Lord. But. <laughs> We are still raising uh, money for a couple of projects. Uh, We are uh, remodeling a church building for uh, a Bible school. And uh, also we are raising funds to print new literature in Japanese. So we would appreciate you considering joining us and um, seeing the results and those around the throne when we make it to heaven.
2: many times when we're about to go through a problem or in a problem uh god speaks to different people in different ways and one way he has spoken to me many times and helped us is he will give me a song and we've got about 60 or 70 songs like that and uh, uh, some of them like each of them have a story behind them and i won't take time to tell all the stories with all those songs, but Um, This is one that's been a blessing to me. I don't care where you are living for God. You're going to have good times and bad times. You're going to face some storms. How many of you know that even in Illinois, you have storms sometimes, right? Amen. Amen. Right now, some folks think we'll go to Florida. Yeah. Well, right now, they're, they're catching it. And wherever you live in life, there are going to be good days and bad days. There are going to be storms you're going to go through. But uh, I, I was studying and found out that all uh, other birds, when storms come, they hide, except the eagle. The eagle is the only one that flies above the storm. And some of you that have flown before, uh, maybe you have flown out and it was raining and stormy and nasty, but when you got above the clouds, it was beautiful blue skies. The sun was shining, it was bright. Amen. And that, uh, first time that happened to me, it made an impact on me. Anyway, from those things, uh, God was dealing with me about some things with that. And so this song came out of that. I'll sing the chorus first. And when I sing the chorus, uh, after you've heard it once, you can join with me in, in singing the chorus if you'd like. It's time to fly. Let the storm winds lift you upward Reach for the sky The sun still shines above When the thunders crash The howling winds And dark clouds sweep the land Spread your wings And they will lift you TO THE SAFETY OF HIS LOVE OTHER BIRDS SEEK OUT A PLACE TO HIDE UNTIL THE STORM HAS PASSED THEM HUDDLED IN THE WIND AND RAIN HOPING IT WILL ALL BLOW BY BUT THE SAME STRONG winds THAT OTHERS FEAR And try to run and hide from Lift the eagle to its greatest height Above the storm in sunlit sky It's time to fly Let the storm winds lift you upward Reach for the sky The sun still shines above when the thunders crash the howling winds and dark clouds sweep the land spread your wings they will lift you to the safety of his love even young men will grow weary they'll faint and fall in time of struggle but those who wait upon the Lord will find their strength made new. Then mounting up on wings like eagles, storm winds can only lift them upward. Into greater rounds of grace and love beyond all they ever knew. It's time to fly. Let the storm winds Lift you upward Reach for the sky The sun still shines above When the thunders crash The howling winds And dark clouds sweep the land Spread your wings They will lift you To the safety of his love when the thunders crash the howling winds and dark clouds sweep the land spread your wings and they will lift you to the safety of his love amen hallelujah let's stand together Deuteronomy chapter 30. (laughs) Praise God. We're also going to read from Revelation. There are several verses that we could read from. In fact, while we're here in Deuteronomy, why don't you turn with me to Deuteronomy 1. Just for a moment, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and to their seed after them. Verse 21. Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. Then Deuteronomy chapter 30, and uh, beginning verse 15 See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, and that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. The Lord thy God will bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou will not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not pr- prolong your days upon the land whether thou goest over Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life." and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, Abraham, and to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. There are many other... Well, let's, let's look quickly at John. John chapter uh, 4. Gospel of John chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 35 gospel of John chapter 4 and verse 35 say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest behold I say unto you lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest one more passage I'd like to turn to Revelation chapter 3 Revelation chapter 3 and verses 7 and 8 And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. But first, I'm asking you to smile at someone. Amen. After you've smiled at someone, you may be seated. Praise God. We tell folks in Tokyo, anyone that comes to a Pentecostal church and won't smile at anybody should not be allowed to sit down. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Praise the Lord. I want to speak to you tonight about seeing... What God has set before us, seeing what God has set before us. there in Deuteronomy, he told them, I set be- uh, I've set the land before you, go up and possess it." And he told them that twice, in verse eight, chapter one, verse eight and verse 21. And then at the closing of that book, as Moses was speaking to Israel his final time just before Moses would die, Moses Uh, was used of the Lord to say, I have set before you life and death. And it's your choice. I've set before you a way, a road, a path, a clear path that leads to life. As Jesus said later, uh, or it was said later that it's life more abundantly. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life more abundantly. Amen. I've come to give you life more abundantly. And he said, I set before you life. But uh, you've got to make the choice. And if you don't choose life, you've chosen death. And he said, the path that I'm setting before you is a path that has blessings all along the way. You'll just uh, run into one blessing after another. But if you reject that and you walk contrary to what I've spoken to you, you are choosing something. But it's not going to be a blessed path. It will be a cursed path. That's what he said. He said, it will be a path that leads to cursing. He said, when you get up in the morning, you'll be cursed. When you lay down at night, you'll be cursed. When you sit at the table, you'll be cursed. Uh, Everything you own will be cursed. Everything that's attached to you will be cursed. Your job will be cursed. Your life will be cursed. Because of the path you chose leads to that. You didn't have to go that way. I'm setting before you a path that leads to life and blessing." but you've got to make the choice. And then uh, I, I will mention that dealing with that scripture and also the scripture in Revelation, uh, one morning in prayer sometime back, the Lord began to speak to my heart and, and kind of startled me. He asked me this question. He said, what shall be your reality? And as I began to think about that, what what is the Lord saying to me? And And I... I I thought about the promises of God and I, I thought not every minister ends up in his lifetime having the same reality. My dad was, uh, it was mentioned before that I, I, we came here before when uh, Pastor Griffith's dad was pastoring many years ago. And then, of course, when we first came into the district, Pastor Irwin was pastoring here. And what a great church this has been through the years. Amen. And we love this church and the precious people and the impact you've had on the work of God, but in my dad's ministry, uh, he had more minute and more miracles happen in his ministry than anyone else I ever knew personally. Uh, he uh, four times in his ministry people were raised from the dead, and uh, I uh, blind eyes were opened, deaf ears were unstopped. It was a normal thing in our church. Every church he pastored was full of people that had, had miracles in their life and, uh, and uh, testimony services and were uh, continually filled with people that had had miracles in their lives. And then I met Brother J.J. Uh, Bourne from uh, Natchez, Mississippi and, and eight, times in, in ministry, uh, eight times in his ministry, eight uh, times in his ministry, if I remember correctly, eight times people have died at judgment. But I think it was 16 times that people have been raised from the dead. And yet there are many ministers that will minister their whole ministry and never see anyone raised from the dead or uh, anyone die in judgment. There are some that will uh, hardly see any miracles happen in their ministry and others have a great number of miracles happen in their ministry. Uh, Some uh, don't see uh, a lot of uh, growth under their ministry and others have great growth in their ministry. I I was just recently with a pastor that began pastoring a church when it, his dad had a stroke and he was 19 years old and right after he became pastor, the church burned to the ground. And they were they were financially broke and he had no idea what to do. But God helped him and gave him direction and it drove him to his knees in prayer and he developed a ministry in prayer. And today pastors of churches uh, uh, that averages over 1,700 and has one of the most beautiful buildings in Pentecost. Amen. But that, that came out of that. And, 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 and not every minister has, and not every saint has the same reality. Some saints know what it is to hear from God. Other saints have lived through most of their life and they could not say, in fact, to them, I've, I've actually had some people, even some ministers almost mock the idea that God speaks to people today obviously they haven't read the Bible because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So if I'm one of his sheep, I better get to know his voice. Amen. And uh, so, uh, but not everyone has. And and the Lord was asking me, God's given all these promises and the promises are to all of us. The promises are the same to all of us, but it's how much do I want to get into it? How far do I want to go in this? How much do I want to give of myself? And how much will I see of God's promises fulfilled in my life and ministry? Amen. It's not dependent upon God's willingness. It's Because God doesn't change and God's no respecter of person. It's dependent upon my willingness and how I give myself to the Lord. Amen. And the Lord, the Lord, all through the word of God, we see some people that God set wonderful opportunities before them and they never recognized it. They never saw it. God even told them what he was doing. How many times did God say, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. God's speaking to the church and yet there are some God, God's saying, if you got an ear, you need to be listening because God is speaking. And if you're not hearing, it's not because God's not speaking. And Proverbs says that the seeing eye, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, God hath made even both of them. And we need to pray, God, give me spiritual eyes that can see and ears that can hear. Amen. We need to see what God's trying to show us. And, and, and he told the disciples... The, the disciples—they—they they had just walked past a lady uh, going into town to get groceries, get lunch, and—and and, uh, she was coming to get water, which was very unusual to do that at noon. But she was coming with her water pot, and we don't even find they even noticed her. And—and and they go get their because they were—they didn't have the Holy Ghost yet, but they were already Pentecostal enough to know what you do when it, you know when you're looking for a restaurant you're looking for some for food when it's time to eat and so their minds were on food she comes to the well and jesus talks to her and uh, the conversation ensues and before she's finished the disciples are coming back with the food but you can see they're kind of irritated because jesus is talking to someone and who knows how long this is going to go and the food's probably going to get cold before before, you know, and well, oh, she's leaving. Well, praise God, hallelujah, we can eat. And they come and s- they don't ask Jesus about his conversation with a the lady. They just set, start setting the food out and say, come on, Jesus, let's eat. And he says, I have meat to eat you know not, uh, not of. And, and they said, well, who gave him something to eat? He said, my meat is to do the will of God and uh, the will of the Father, uh, him that sent me and finish this work. And, and then he turned to his disciples. He said, well, you lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. You're looking too low. You're looking too low. He said, you say, oh, yeah, four months and then comes harvest. We're going to have revival someday. It's going to be a great revival someday. And he said, you do not realize you're sitting in the middle of a field that is overripe all around you. Are people hungry, wanting to be one, and you don't even see them. You don't even know it. Amen. I had... We had the experience of a lady that was in our church, a uh, military dependent, and I was talking about soul winning and, and, uh, and reaching out uh, to people, and she came and she was furious. She said, Brother Lucas, the housing area where I live and the base where my husband is stationed and where we shop, everybody that wants religion has got their own, and they don't want ours. And everybody don't have one, don't, they don't want one. And there's nobody hungry for God in the area where we live. I said, Sister, I don't, I don't believe that. I believe there's people there hungry for God. And, and she got so mad at me, she ended up over that, leaving our church. Because she was so mad at me because I believed there's people who was hungry for God, and she didn't. And so she left our church and went somewhere else. And, uh, and, and then she left Japan shortly after that. And right after she left Japan, one day I got a phone call from a lady and she was from that same Nigishi housing area that this lady lived at. And and she was crying and she said, Pastor Lucas, and I said, Yes, she said, You don't know me. I'm Danny Black and and, and my husband is stationed at Yokosuka Air uh, Base and and on a ship and, and said we're about our family's about to break up and, and our lives are so miserable and said sometime back we were looking in the paper and saw an ad for your church and uh, and 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 it just kind of got big like it just blew up before us and we thought wow that's weird but we didn't we, uh, she said we were talking the other day we need to find that church and so she said we went to look but the, the papers have all been thrown away that we had and we couldn't find any papers with that ad and so uh, said uh, we were crying and felt we need to find you and we didn't know how but Uh, today I was walking by the library, pushing the stroller with my baby and had my children with me. And and as I was walking by the library, I felt go in. And so I went in and there was a Japanese man in there. I never saw him at the library before on base, but I went in and he, he walked up to me and that never happened, but said, can I help you? And she said, well, I'm looking for this newspaper that we saw this ad in it, it sometime back. And and, uh, but, but we don't have it now and we don't. he said come with me and she said he led me back around this area the library I never even knew existed and back into some racks they had back there uh, opened up some things and, and pulled a newspaper out of a stack opened it up and pointed at your ad and said is this what you're looking for? And she said, she said, yes, yes. And so she said, I wrote it down and that's why I'm calling you. I told her, I said, well, I talked to her about getting a home Bible study. She said, oh, you'd come all the way over here for us. And I said, well, sure. And so, and so I went that night and showed her a home Bible study, got a Bible study with them. And within a few weeks, uh, she had been baptized and gotten the Holy Ghost. And then, uh, then her husband uh, came in and was baptized and got the Holy Ghost and then uh, her, she was talking to her neighbor, and about the fourth or fifth Bible study, her neighbor started sitting in on it, and and she started coming, was baptized, got the Holy Ghost, and and her husband was out on the ship. When he came back in, we were finishing the first study, and she said, "Would you come to our house now and teach the whole thing all over?" My husband didn't get it, and and I want to hear it all over, and I want I missed the first few lessons anyway, so I started teaching them, and uh, and uh, one night. I was just finishing up a study and there was a knock on the door and at their house, there was a knock on the door and the first lady, Danny Black, was with another lady named Sharon and she was standing there and Sharon was crying, sobbing really and and she said... uh, and and she said you know tonight they had a special thing at a chapel and and some speaker and and i went over there and i and they opened up for questions i asked a question and he just made me look like a fool he mocked me and ridiculed me right in front of everybody but i was serious i was honest i don't know nothing about the bible and nothing about god but he just mocked me and she said i was so embarrassed i told my friend let's leave and so went out and said, Danny told me, said, I can take you to a place right now where you can walk in. You can ask anything you want. You'll be treated with respect and and courtesy and love. And uh, they'll answer any question you've got from the word of God. And she said, well, let's go. And so said, that's why we're here. And I said, well, Sharon, um, you know, I, I'd be glad to." I showed her the Bible. Study. She said, well, I want it. And I said, well, uh, you need to talk to your husband and see if, if, if you know what? We can set this up with you and your family. And she said, no, I'm not going to talk to my husband. She said, my husband, he's a Navy diver, and, and he's, he hates preachers, and he hates religion. And, and I said, well, you still need to talk to him and, and give him a chance. He said, no, I'm not going to talk to him. It'll start a fight. We'll be fighting for weeks over this. And I said, no, you need to ask him. She, and we went back and forth. Fighting. She said, all right, I'm going to ask him. It's going to start a fight in our home that's going to last for weeks and it'll be your fault brother lucas and i said well i'll be praying when i got home at night my wife said honey there's a there's a phone call from a lady named sharon and she said for you to call as soon as you got in no matter what time it is and so i i called and she's said, "Brother Lucas, I, I don't know what's going on but i said i walked in and i was telling al about this and he said huh well i think i'd be interested in that she said you what you're joking. He said, no, no. I think I, well, I went down and showed him the Bible study. And when I walked in, this guy, he didn't even have a neck, just a, like a, a bucket sat on top of gigantic shoulders. And and uh, I walked in, and he said, I hate, I hate religion. I said, man, I don't blame you. It messes more people up. He he said, I can't stand hypocrites. I said, they drive me crazy too. He said, sit down, preacher. I think I'm gonna enjoy this. The fourth week I got there and he met me at the car, hyperventilating and saying, but Lucas, I gotta be baptized in Jesus' name. I gotta be baptized right now. He went out. The thing is, all those families, all those families lived close enough to that one lady that was sure nobody was hungry for God. That you could have stood at her house and thrown a rock and hit their houses. Amen. It wasn't that nobody's hungry for God. She just didn't see them. She didn't have eyes to see. She didn't have ears to hear. There was people crying out because they were so thirsty and hurting and hungry and their lives messed up. But she she went, she saw them at the store. I'll never forget one night I was talking about in in a church and and I I told him, I said, God's gonna open some doors for you. I said, Some of you, some of you are gonna to go to the grocery store tomorrow and, and you're gonna bump into someone, you're gonna say, excuse me, and if you don't have eyes to see, you're gonna you're gonna miss it. Because it's an opportunity God's given you for, for to witness and to see someone come to the Lord. And the next morning I got a phone call from the pastor of that work. He said, Bro, Lucas, it happened. I said, What happened? He said, What you said last night happened this morning. My wife needs some milk for the baby. And, and I run over to the store to grab some stuff real quick and, and said, this, this woman wasn't watching her, I wasn't watching her, we bumped into each other and I turned around and said, excuse me. And he said, I started going and I thought, what if it is? And he said, I turned around and started talking to her and said, Ma'am, I, this is maybe a little bit weird, but I just wanted to tell you I'm I'm Pastor Sochi's church, and, and, and we're having revival right now, and we've got this preacher he's up here from Tokyo, and, and and he's preaching, and I just she said, "Where's your church? I've been looking for a church." And she came, she came, and her and her husband came to the Lord. There are so many opportunities sometimes that we don't see. Amen. You know, David arrived. At the battlefield, Goliath had been there 40 days screaming out his challenge, and all anybody could see was Goliath, how big he is, how strong he is, how, and I could go through all the stuff about his armor and all that, and it's, it's pretty wild, but, uh, those Jews, when they looked, they saw that spear and they thought how big a hole that would make when it went through them and saw that sword and they could just think, man, my my little old shield won't do nothing. And they could see two halves of them laying out there flopping on the ground after he split them in two. David saw the same Goliath, but he didn't see the same thing. He didn't see the same thing. He He said, is there not a cause? He saw the cause involved and he said, People need to know there's a God. All the world needs to know there's a God. And, and he said, Goliath, you come to me with sword and shield and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, whose arm is you fight, and he will deliver you into my hands. That's what David saw. He will deliver you into my hands. Nobody else saw that. He'll deliver you into my hands. Goliath said, Well, I'll, I'll feed your carcass of fowls, hares, and the beast that feel. Can you see the picture? All them little creepy, crawly things crawling all over you, eating your bo- eyeballs out and tearing the skin off your body. You see it? David said, No, nah, I can't see it. He said, you know, In fact, you know what I see? I see today, I'm going to cut your head off. And that's interesting because David didn't have a sword, he didn't even have a pocket knife. But he said, I'll cut your head off from you. And he didn't say, and I'm going to feed your carcass of house. There's a beast of field. He said, and today, before this battle is over, I will feed the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines to the fowls of the air and the beast of the field. That's what I see. Before this is over, it's not just you going to be taken care of today. It's you and your army. And Goliath got up and he was mad and he was cussing and he started at David and David ran at Goliath swinging that rock. And Goliath's got an armor bearer out there and Goliath is a walking tank. You read about his armor. He had on a chain mail uh, outfit, whatever they put on, you know, to fight. It weighed 150 pounds, just that. And then he had a huge shield and he he had this gigantic sword and a spear said the shaft was like a weaver's beam and the head of it weighed 20 pounds. Now I've swung a 20 pound sledgehammer and there's a world of difference between an eight pound sledge and a 20 pound sledge. And if you don't know that, you swing the 20 about two minutes and you'll know the difference. Amen. There's a world of difference. I can't imagine throwing a spear with a head that had... Weigh twenty pounds. I'd be lucky if I threw it far enough to hit, not hitting myself with my own foot. But, but David is running at him, and swung that rock, and the armor bearers trained to deflect all kind of of, of arrows and spears, but rocks. Some kid is throwing a rock at this walking battle tank. He just. This is a joke. He can't even believe it. He doesn't even bother to try to stop it. He expects that rock to go ping and yeah. go off and then, and then, then that kid's gonna be scared. Only it don't go ping, it goes funk, And Goliath's out cold on the ground. And the Bible says David ran and stood on that big old huge giant, pulled his sword out, and it says he slew the giant with his... He did not slay the giant with his his uh, sling and rock. He knocked him out with the sling and rock. He killed him. The Bible says he slew the giant with his own sword. He slew the giant with his own sword. And he, and then all the Jews come out of their, their hiding place because they realize God is involved in this battle. And all the Philistines took running for the hills because they realized God's involved in this battle. And before it was over that day, it was just like David saw it. And you know, a lot of times it ends up just like we see it. If we see through eyes of faith, amen. If you believe God can use you as a soul winner, if you believe God can use you as a prayer warrior, it'll happen, friend. If you'll go after it, it'll happen. But if you think, oh, it can't happen to me, somebody else, somebody else. Well, you're right. It won't happen to you. Amen, amen. When the 10 spies, 12 spies walked through the land 40 days and they all looked at the same thing but they didn't all see the same thing. 10 of them, all they could see is the walls. All they could see is how big the enemy is and all their armor. But two walked through and all they could see is the promises of God that God said, I'll drive them out, I'll give you the land. And, and, and that's all they could see It's the promises of God. And whoa, can you believe that city, God's gonna give it to us. Look at those guys. Hey, should we go ahead and give them notice? They might as well go ahead and start packing because they leaving whether they want to or not, because God's gonna give us this land. Two, the, 10 came back and said, we're not able. Two said, we're well able. 10 said, but they got all this armor and they got all the, and they're bigger than us. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. And, and, they, and they got all the, you know. Two said, their defense is departed from them. They're defenseless against us. They said, if God, if God delight in us, he will give us the land. The ten said, we are, we're gonna die out here with our kids. Well, they were partly right. they died, their kids didn't. We're going to die in this wilderness. Yeah, they did. Just like they saw it, that's how they got it.. Two of them said, God's going to God delights in us. We didn't get this far by our own ability. We got this far because God helped us. And, and God didn't bring us here for nothing. God's trying to work in our life. God's trying to perfect us. God's trying to help us. And they saw that. That's how they saw it. And I know it took 40 years for the deadheads and naysayers to die off. But 40 years later, when the new generation marched in the land, guess who was leading the parade? Those two old guys still seeing it the same way. Still, still believing God. Amen. Amen. Seeing what God had set before them. God said, I've I set this land before you. You gotta go up and possess it. Amen. The first generation said, we can't do it. Second generation said, Let's go. Let's go. And they did. And and Caleb, he he came to Joshua. He said, Joshua, you remember. When we was in here walking through the land before, those giants, the Anakim, they lived in that one mountain area. And and our brethren was all scared to death of those guys. I don't want that to happen this time. You remember God told me, because I followed him with my whole heart, that I could pick anywhere. Everybody else got to draw straws for what they get, but I can pick whatever I want. And God said, it's mine. And Joshua said, yeah, I remember. He said, those Anakims all live down around Hebron in that area, and he said, in that mountain area, and I always kind of wanted to be a mountain man. He said, give me the mountain where the giants live, me and my boys, will ta- the whole nation don't need, God said to give it to me, it don't matter if it's just me and my boys, we can do it. And his daughter must have been some kind of beautiful girl because he told his the, all those cousins and all of them, he said, boys, which one of you fights his way to the top of the hill first? gets to the top of the hill, gets to marry my daughter. They like they killed each other, trying to beat each other up. And, and what a whole nation was scared they couldn't do. One man that saw that God keep his promise. God's word is true. God will do what he said. One man and his family did it. And they possessed that land. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, there's so many examples in the Bible of, God setting things before people, promises, and some believing, some seeing it just like God said it, believing it and receiving it, and others that just never would see it that way. They always looked from the carnal aspect. They left God out of it. They ignored God. They forgot about God. They looked just at themselves. But how's it going to be for you and I? How's it going to be for you and I? We've got God's promises. We've got God's promises. Amen. There's some folks, they'll get on the internet and they'll post all this nasty stuff they don't like about the government. And they don't like this politician and they don't like that politician. And they get on there and they just rant and rave over that. And they hardly pray about it at all. But Second Corinthians 7, 14, still in the Bible, if my people which are called by my name will li- will humble themselves and pray, Amen. And seek my face. Then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It still works. It still works. Amen. God's promised that in the last day he said, God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But the Bible also says you need to ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. God's pouring it out, but if you, you and I want it, we got to ask for it. We got to seek Him for it. We love to quote uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 uh, uh, In the last days saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I love that. Amen. I've, I've prayed that scripture. I try to pray that scripture every day and a half for years, and, and I love that. And, and I've seen God do it with my sons. I've got three sons all born in Japan. They're all now licensed United Pentecost Church ministers. And uh, God's using them. One of them was just appointed uh, a couple years ago as a missionary to Japan. Arrived in, him and his wife in March. And God's using them mightily. Praise God. But from when they were just young boys, I cannot tell you the times. Because God's word says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I, I cannot count the number of times that my sons have come to me and said that. I just felt like the Lord told me to tell you this. And they were right on target. Amen. They were right on target. Praise God. I've seen it happen again and again. Other young people, we need, our young people need to know you can hear from God. God will speak to you. God will use you. Amen. I I want to share this for our young people. In Japan, sometimes uh, bullying in schools can be really horrible, really horrible. And, and the, the minister, Japanese minister I work with, his daughter was just one of the most gentle, godly, beautiful young ladies you could ever meet. But she was getting so much bullying at school and she was in, in high school and, and the girls were merciless. They were brutal, brutal in her, bullying to her and they, they wouldn't include her in anything. They'd leave her out of everything. They'd make fun of her and mock her for, for her, her long hair and her godly lifestyle. And, how she dressed, and they would mock and ridicule her. And, and she wanted a friend so bad. But one day she was sitting there in, in the class and, uh, and the girls were all over in another area and they had intentionally excluded her again and, and, and guys were over in another part of the class and she was sitting there all by herself in that classroom. And, and she said, she bowed her head and said, I don't have a friend in the world. I don't have a friend in the world. And she said all at once. She said, Brother Lucas, I felt someone lay their hand on my shoulder. Right. And it was the most gentle, most kind touch. And she thought, "Who, who is being my friend? Who has come over to be my friend? And she said, I looked up and there was no one there. I could still feel the hand on my shoulder. And she said, God spoke to me and said, you're not alone. I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. You'll never be alone. I'll always be your friend. It was shortly after that, God broke the power of that bullying stuff in that school. And just one young lady after another began to come to her. And she began to be one of the most popular young ladies in that entire school. Young, other young people wanting to be around her, wanting her to, uh, to be their friend. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, God can speak to you. If you're going through situations, you talk to God. God can talk to you. God cares about you. You're important to God. Your life is important to God. Amen. Your life matters. Every one of you. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand together. There's there's so many things we could share about this. But how's it going to be for me? How's it going to be for you? God's promises are true. Am I going to see what he's trying to show me? Am I going to hear what he's trying to tell me? Do I have ears to hear? Or am I so preoccupied with what I got my mind on about myself? My opinion. Do you know there's people come to church? This is horrible. There's people come to church. Of course, they did it at Jesus time. Do you know not everybody that listened to Jesus even liked what he was saying? Some people came to listen to Jesus and all they did while they were there, listen to Jesus. He's God in flesh. He's perfect. And all they did was find fault. That's kind of tough for me when I found out that, of course, I'm certainly not Jesus and I'm certainly not perfect. But when I found out some people would come to church, seemed like all they came for was to find fault. If we sang a slow song, they didn't like slow songs. If we sang a fast song, they didn't like fast songs. If we sang old songs, oh, they sing too much old stuff around here. I, I actually, on one day, I had I had two different guys that got mad at me and hollered at me. On the same day, on the same day, one of them was telling me, this church is just not strict enough. This church is, you're, you're too liberal. This is, you're too liberal. It's not strict enough. Right after that, we found out he was involved in adultery. Another another guy came to me and said, that's what's driving people away from this church is you're so strict. All this holiness, holiness, holiness stuff. You're just so strict. I found out, you know, but, but I found out people that are hungry for God that don't come to find fault, but they come to find God. They come to hear from God. They come to see what God's trying to say, what God's trying to do in their life. Praise God. Amen. They're going to see. They're going to hear. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray together could we pray together, Lord, give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear. Help me to see what you're trying to show me. Help me to see the opportunities, the open doors you're setting in front of me. Help me to hear what you're trying to say to my heart.